the greatest threat, I believe, to our religious freedom and our speech is from corporations right now that are working hand in glove, big business with big government to deny speech. And so this is, this is the, these are the issues of the day. And so not that everybody has to become an expert on these, uh, but that what they do need to do is care and, and engage when they can speak out and use their voice and when they engage as consumers and, and when they engage small businesses and nonprofits. And maybe we, we could talk a little bit about that later, how they could use our corporate bias ratings in a positive way. And welcome back to The Narrative. I'm Mike Andrews, joined by Aaron Baer today. And we're going to be talking about a lot of things that have been going on in the news this week. Uh, Aaron, before we jump into that, I do just want to remind our listeners that we've got a couple of new ways that you can interact with us. Just a few episodes from now, we're going to do an Ask Us Anything episode, which could be dangerous. We're opening the floodgates. <laughs> we don't know what kind of feedback we're going to get. But honestly, we do want to hear from our listeners to get some questions feedback and things like that. And hopefully we can answer them on that podcast and you're welcome to call or text us. I'll give you the phone number here. It's 614-769-7077. Again, 614-769-7077. Or you can email us. It's really easy to remember. It's just the narrative at ccv.org and get your questions in. We're really excited about this episode and getting to interact with our listeners a little bit. It's something new. Yeah. And I think David will actually be here for it. He was, he was too afraid to be here for this episode since we're talking about woke capitalism and, and, you know, doesn't want YouTube and Amazon coming after him. So, uh, you know, I, I think David will actually show up for that one. I thought that he was still sleeping off the uh, Super Bowl party, Either given that, the huge yeah, football the fan that he is. Yeah. Massive <laughs> football fan that, that, that David Mahan is. Yeah, that's right. That's yeah. Right. And Super Bowl, like, Come on. That was one of the least interesting. Like, for Are you as serious? exciting as it was. One? Like, like, are you invested in that at all? No, Aaron? well, it was it was a beautiful game, but just just on on the whole, because like I didn't I didn't really care about either team. So it was fun to watch. It it was anticlimactic how it how it ended, because you know, to, to just sort of like run out the clock in the the most slow way possible was just kind of a bummer for after everything yeah, else that yeah. was exciting about it. And the hold call I, I keep saying, like, I always, whenever I see a call like that, I always put, say, if, if I was, yeah, I'm a Packers fan. So if that was the Packers, if I was the Eagle in that, the Eagles in that situation, I'd be ticked. At the same time, like, even the, the cornerback said, like, yeah, I did hold him. Like, so I, I'm not, well, I know people are freaking out because it, it's just, there's yeah. nothing more American than blaming the refs. Oh, yeah. As, but yeah, I, I, like, it, it was good. <laughs> I, I, I will say, the 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 biggest thing with the Super Bowl for me is that we I don't know about your family Mike uh, we have just like we've conceded on on the halftime show now in that we don't even let our kids be up for it if if, yep. if we have it on we just even before it turns on we just send our kids out which is a like it's a sad state of affairs and it's even just one of these things where like it, it feels so purposeful even in in that halftime show where like like the those the platform things was really cool. And then it just felt like Rihanna went out of her way at times to just do stuff to be able to say, like, oh, it was provocative. It was like, no, you you don't have to, you know, rub yourself like that. You just you don't have to do that and still have the same halftime show, you know? Yeah. We're watching the puppy bowl and the kitten. No, bowl exactly. It's just we like turning just... to Animal Planet as soon as halftime hits. Seriously. And we love watching the puppies run around and have accidents all over the field. It's better, and, and it, it it just gets to the point where it's like, okay, we 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 get the shtick you're doing now, NFL, which is you you just want to do something outrageous, which just gets boring. It, it's not 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 only is it just like it's petty and obviously wrong and offensive, but. It's
but it's also just like you're you're boring now NFL that you do this kind of stuff you know when it, when you know you're going to be provocative and you right. just kind of it's become not provocative exactly yeah. right yeah no exactly not interesting so. well maybe something else that's becoming predictable is all of these unidentified flying <laughs> objects uh, in our airspace suddenly yeah. after the chinese spy balloon last week we've had a couple other ins- uh, instances of these they're not as big they're balloons we don't know they're octagonal shaped like what are these things <laughs> nobody knows they're car size yeah they're, they're bus size it's yeah. There's just a lot of questions about what's going on with these objects all of a sudden that are now being shot down left and right. But uh, as you and I were talking before we, we went live here, Aaron, maybe the bigger question here is like, what what can we do in, as far as trusting our institutions yeah. with, the, with these types of things and the information that we're getting from not only the government, but the media? And how do we parse through all of it? Well, that, that was the thing. Like, I, I know it sounds strange, but when I saw all the stuff, uh, you know, all the 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 stories coming out one after other about more objects, you know, it re- actually reminded me of the, um, the document story, um, like of, of all of the, the classified documents that, you know, first were in president Trump's house and then at Biden's place and Pence's place. And, and it, and just that it's, it's a story without context. Um, and it's, it's an outrageous story. Um, but without, without real, like the, the media is acting like it's outrageous, but without the context, it's it's hard to really put it into mm-hmm. place, right? Not not to say that it's it's ever a good thing that we have foreign objects flying over our country and things like that. But you know, it's not like all of a sudden this technology was invented, right? Has this been going on for a while? Is this is this the, like the first time this has ever happened? You don't get any of that, right? And it's the same thing as the document story is like, is this something that people have just been doing for a long time, and so it it's it's been a problem for a long time, and now we're enforcing it. Um, and and for me, it's it's the quintessential problem that has that that has come out since COVID. Uh, I, I should say that's been building and was really exposed in COVID, which is we have a ton of information but very little context. Yeah, that's a great point. That's a great point. And, and truly, it's not like this is the first time that China has figured out how to fly a balloon. Right. I mean, they exactly. make all of our technology. Yep. And oh. The most basic form of air transportation yeah. is all of a sudden floating over the United States airspace. It's just very bizarre. No, it is. And again, I think this is for for Christians. If we we try to put this into a worldview context, even, you know, I, it's one like we just. I think a lot of folks are learn, learning that our our outrage meters. Um, we have to. We we can't just run hot all the time. Mm-hmm. And I think every one of us knows has that friend or family member. Uh, that just runs really hot. That is is ticked off at all times, um, and and is you know just kind of running from Fox News headline to Fox News headline of of how terrible the uh, the world is, um, or how terrible these things are. And and by all means, we talk about these terrible things all the time, right? Um, but the the there's a there's a a piece of this which is you know let's let's keep our powder dry and not get Ticked off it again. I, I'm not even saying it could be very well worth it. You know, I, I, you know, my my instant reaction is, it is absurd that we let this thing cross our entire country uh, before we we shoot it down. But I think when I'm trying to step back and look at these things, it, it's the thing I'm most worried about is not so much classified documents being in garages or even uh, these these uh, items fall, flying over our, our nation. I think the bigger thing is we as a people we don't have context for these things anymore, and we don't have the trust in both our government and our media uh, to 
report honestly and fairly and put things in, in context for us. Um, and that long term is is really dangerous. That that's something that I'm really concerned about for us. Um, and it's something that I've, I, even with this podcast and other things at CCV, we're trying to help people with is put put whatever crisis is going on at the time and say, hey, look, this is a big deal or this isn't a big deal. Um, and I think with some of these national stories, it's really hard to know that anymore. Right. I, I was I was going to the Wall Street Journal and, and even talking with a few friends in Washington about this kind of stuff. Uh, and, and even they're having a hard time putting this into context of is this is this mm-hmm. something like is this the beginning of aliens is it the beginning of china coming after us like world war three or or is this just sort of normal spy craft that major superpower world powers are doing to each other all the time that we've been doing for a hundred years and will continue to do that never actually leads to anything right and it's it's as you mentioned it's one thing when it's on that national level we're kind of experiencing this a little closer to home in ohio right now with the situation in east palestine with the train derailment and by all accounts, a very serious situation, but yet still, what's what's fact? What's fiction in this in this news story that we've been following for a few days now? Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and you know, you look at the 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 context of it, or or you look at even what what the the stakes of it is massively high, yeah. right? Um, and or at least it seems to be such, right? Like you're you're, you're seeing all the the crazy videos of of you know animals being dead in the rivers nearby and you know the the just the the sheer size of the explosion is 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 terrifying honestly um but it, again this is this is the the type of thing of of almost it, it's the 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 boy you cried wolf right mm-hmm. where we're we're running so hot all the time um that when something like this happens this this seems significant but it's hard to place it into context, um, and and that's something long term culturally for our nation that is uh, is worrisome. It, it is one of these things that uh, you know having our hope and trust in the Lord is is uh, essential through times like these, um, and, and knowing where where our ultimate hope lies. Um, but it's also th- something that I think for for Americans today that we need to be really careful how we respond and react to things. Um, because some things are blown up as the biggest thing ever, uh, and other things are downplayed, right? Like, again, I, I think, mm-hmm. especially the early coverage of, I, I think now you're starting to see people recognize the East Palestine situation is bigger than maybe at first we treated it as such, yeah. right? Yeah, and unfortunately for me, that's kind of my litmus test on something. I'm I'm at the point I'm just cynical enough where I'm like, well, I'm going to leave that for a day or two and see if it's still got some traction. Yeah. But even then, you know that some things are being suppressed or elevated depending on, you know, motivations of the reporting right. agencies and things like that. So it's really, really difficult to to navigate all this in, in, in meaningful ways. And I'm just thankful right now. I'm leading a Bible study on the book of Revelation. And <laughs> I kind of right. mentioned it as a joke when we got into the room. But, yeah. hey, Jesus is still on the throne. Right. And praise the Lord for that. As, as much as this is uh, hard to work through, uh, we know that nothing is out of his control. And, and we've got that confident assurance no matter what happens. No, I, I think that's like by all means it and sometimes that that can feel let's just be blunt some, sometimes that can feel like a cop out yeah right like in in just a um a moment by moment um you know live in life um but the the baseline of it is um we we talked about this 
uh, earlier today uh, or earlier this week uh, in, in a Bible study I was in, uh, which is, you know, the, 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 the factual story, the actual occurrence of Jesus walking on water. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the reality of God's word is truer than reality. God's word is, is truer than our experience. God's word is truer than the, the table you and I are sitting at. It's more real than the table we're sitting at. And, and the reason why I, I, I bring this up is because, you know, it's we have some very firm promises from the Lord in, in Scripture, right? Uh, I, I've, my church, we've been going through Romans, right? And, and Romans 8 is the, the pinnacle of promises mm-hmm. to humanity that he's— working all things for good for those who are called according to his name and that we're made more than conquerors uh, by the blood of Christ and that he's now that now they're, you know, nothing can, can separate us from the love of Christ. And, and um, you know, it's, it's this, this beautiful passage. And when we have a lot of times our, our subjective experience can, can bump up against that, right. Can make us think, um, God, where are you? Right. Um, yeah, th- those promises though, they, they, they weren't stated, but um, those promises were, were were true to God's people in uh, in Egypt for 400 years, yeah. right? Yep. Um, or that we can think of a lot of people who've who've suffered unbelievable harms uh, throughout history, um, but those promises were still true even for them. Uh, and I think, especially as we see a lot of things that bring up uncertainty, this is where we have to fall back on uh, is is that promise. That's a great reminder, Aaron. Thank you for that. And that's all we have for the news this week. But please don't go anywhere. We've got a great interview coming up with the president of the 1792 Exchange, Paul Fitzpatrick. So stay tuned to the narrative. Hey, narrative listeners. You know, Christians in the marketplace today face more unique and challenging threats than ever before. Businesses are following woke capitalism. Chambers of commerce are beholden to social justice. And secular activists are chipping away Christians' First Amendment rights. As Ohio's only Christian Chamber of Commerce, the Christian Business Partnership stands in the gap to advocate for, to educate, and to celebrate Christian business owners. Joining the partnership also allows businesses to provide their employees with health care insurance, workers' compensation, and exclusive banking and educational discounts. To find out more and to join, go to cbpohio.org. That's cbpohio.org. Thanks for sticking around on the narrative. Mike Andrews, Aaron Bear, back with you and joined now by Paul Fitzpatrick, who's the president of the 1792 Exchange. That's an alliance of families protecting faith-based and conservative institutions and philanthropy. They also help corporations move back toward neutral to protect free exercise, free speech, and free enterprise. During his previous career, Paul served on Capitol Hill. He was deputy chief of staff for U.S. Senator Kelly Loeffler of Georgia and chief of staff for Congressman Mark Meadows of North Carolina. And before getting into government, Paul served in the nonprofit sector for over two decades. Paul, we're so grateful for your expertise and looking forward to this conversation with you today. Well, thank you. It's my honor to join. So tell us a little bit about the 1792 Project. What is it? Why is it necessary? It's a great question. We've got a situation in our country, not unlike what was going on in 1792. In that year, you had there were securities that were being owned. And unfortunately, shareholders were being cheated. There was not a free exchange of information and there was not trust. And so the Buttonwood Exchange was founded, which ultimately became the New York Stock Exchange. 
Fast forward to today. We've got the, the left has weaponized and politicized corporations to advance agendas that they can't get through the courts, can't get through legislatures. So really, that's that's why we're here. We're not about making corporations Republican or not Democrat or any faith uh, or left or right. We're, we want corporations to move back towards neutral, to maximize shareholder value, and to treat all customers, all employees with dignity and respect, and of course, not pollute, of course, be good stewards of the environment. And so we do that in many different ways. And one of the main ones that we've been reading about, we've been hearing about is the Spotlight Report. It's a corporate bias ranking. Tell us about that, how uh, listeners out there, how customers can use this to their advantage when dealing with uh, these corporations that might be leaning into woke capitalism and things of that nature. Absolutely. This came about because families that were running businesses were concerned that they were going to be denied service. They saw it happening. We saw it explode in 2020. Obviously, Parler was a good example, but you had people losing their, their jobs. You had banks denying service. You had payment processors denying service, all sorts of IT functions. And these folks got together and said, wait a minute, we're not going to be able to run our businesses on the principles we want without getting canceled. And the nonprofits and ministries we support are in jeopardy. So really one of the our core strategies is protecting and equipping small businesses and nonprofits, as you said. And so we said, how do we do that? Everybody says, well, can you recommend a bank? Can you recommend a payment processor or a CRM? You name it. Um, what we said is what we need, we need to take the list of what we call the pinch points, the big companies that are vital for nonprofits and small businesses, but frankly, for families as well, uh, just average consumers, so that they know I, I can have a bank I can rely upon, all these different services. So what this corporate bias ratings, what it is, it's an evaluation of a thousand companies and growing on the likelihood that they will cancel or deny service or divest for political or ideological or religious reasons. And it's a very simple stoplight formula, red, yellow, green, and uh, the tool, folks can go to 1792exchange.com, go to the Spotlight Report, and if you know a vendor, you just simply type it in the search function, and it, the name, it'll pop up, and you click on it, and you pull up the rating, and it's a simple two-page PDF will pop up. And what that has is an explanation of what the company has done that's publicly available. So, Paul, I, I want to kind of back up here with you a, a little bit. Um, on on how we got here, you and I've been working in, in politics for a while. You a little bit longer than me. I'm not not not, not going to go too far there, but uh, but you know how how did we get to this? <laughs> how did we get to this point uh, where we see corporate America that that again, you know, these are typically your your capitalist free market type folks. How are they? How do we get to this point where we see corporate America actually working against the very free market principles that allowed them to to grow? Uh, so so robustly in the first place, if you will. There's certainly the left has has had a march through the institutions, as we know. And, and you can go back. Many will point back to 1980. Reagan wins. The left says, wait a minute. What are we going to do? One of the institutions we don't have is corporate America. They're hugely influential. They started marching through. Um, that's one piece. You had the U.N., defining ESG for the first time, I think in 2004, environmental, social, and governance principles that they wanted to impose upon corporations. 
Um, we all remember the Occupy Wall Street movement, and uh, we had the the 0809 crisis. We had a massive bailout of these organ these companies that, that had taken great risk. Um, this moral hazard, right? And so we ended up as taxpayers supporting them, bailing them out. And that's, you know, frankly, folks on the left and the right were mad at corporations at the time. So corporations, think of it at that moment, no one's happy with them. They want to make more money. They look to the left. What they could do is, in essence, virtue signal and say, left, we are going to engage in and the, the time that was called the corporate social responsibility, different names, but the ESG movement, environmental, social, and governance, these principles, we could engage on these. And by the way, at the same time, we can charge more, uh, charge higher fees. In part, the financial institutions were pushed there at the same time because the unions had seen in, in this, you know, I'm, I'm jumping over some years here, but the unions had also seen their their efforts waning and their influence waning. And they they looked at all these dollars that their pension funds had, billions of dollars, and they put pressure on big asset managers, financial institutions to say, we want you to push our agenda. And so think of it. There's pressure from the, the left, a lot of dollars. The asset managers have downward pressure on their fees. They say, wait a minute, we could charge higher fees for ESG funds at the same time, earn credit with the left. So they'll leave us alone. And we're going to be heroes. And so that vicious cycle started the same time you had the, the big firms, we call them proxy advisory firms that are advising shareholders, advising companies on how to vote. They're decidedly left. And the asset managers and the proxy advisory firms put massive pressure on CEOs. So even if you're a CEO, like you said, who's a capitalist, just wants to make money, return shareholder value, develop, provide good products and services you're getting massive pressure by corporations that are controlling trillions of dollars. And I could get into that and spend a lot of time on that, but it's very hard to say no if they can control your shares, get rid of your board members and change, basically get rid of the CEO. So I, I will pause there, but that's how, where we've landed. And it's, again, the left loves it. What they can't pass through the courts or legislatively, they can push on the American people using the, the capital, and the brands and the influence and the information funnels of corporate America. So, Paul, I want to even harp for a second there on proxy advisors because you talked about a lot of different folks there. And I think one of the things that your your average you know uh, average person, average you know mom or dad with a with a four hundred one k or a pension doesn't realize is that their their own four hundred one k account could be being used to advance uh, a leftist political agenda. Is that right? That's exactly right. With this, the advent of the growth of mutual funds and then index funds, we all love them. The fees are low. It's hard to beat the market anyway. You put them in. Um, historically, the big asset managers and the big financial institutions they did not vote the shares. Right? These are passive funds. Well, they, they were under great pressure, again, from the same cabal I mentioned, that these asset managers now, and if you take BlackRock, State Street, and Vanguard, the big three, before the market tanked recently, they were controlling $20 trillion, the assets under management. That's equivalent to the US, entire U.S. economy. So imagine they're holding their shares. They have your and my 401k in there. Historically, they didn't vote the shares. 
they're only about 5% of Americans actually vote the shares, vote in shareholder resolutions. It has to do with you know, picking board members and all sorts of actually very important decisions that shareholders can make. So now the companies are got a lot of pressure. Interestingly, this going back to the Reagan administration, and there was the Department of Labor said, hey, you know what? You you uh, pension funds, excuse me, you uh, mutual funds, you've got a fiduciary res responsibility to actually engage and, and start voting. And that actually was a hugely problematic effort because now these these funds, they had they're managing billions and now trillions of dollars. They they have this responsibility to vote the shares or at least let you and me, you know, you and I actually make a decision to vote our shares. They couldn't manage that process themselves. And one of the people inside the Department of Labor who helped push through one of these these major changes a year late left a year later started ISS. There are two big firms, proxy advisory firms, Institutional Shareholder Services and Glass Lewis. Both are foreign owned, by the way. They're not domestically owned. Um, and they they control 97 percent of the proxy advisory business. So they are managing the voting process for the big asset managers and for the companies. The companies also pay them consulting fees to advise them on how they should vote, how they should manage it. So which is so it's a duopoly. There's a conflict of interest and they're controlling 97%, which is just of the market. And they're both decidedly left. And they work hand in glove with the asset managers and with the left, the leftist folks at the SEC, which is a whole nother issue we can get into. So I'll I'll pause there. But it is um it's a very complicated issue that uh, is they're they're more influential than just about any politician in America. We'll leave it at that. Yeah, well, and 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 Paul, the, the thing to me about this, and, and I'm I'm sure for some folks listening, they might be saying, why is CCV talking about you know, uh, you know the SEC and 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 my 401k and all these. This is the type of stuff that most folks don't think about with a what is generally seen as a pro family organization. And I think Paul, even for you know. Prior to you being here, uh, uh, it, uh, Mike mentioned in your bio that you know you worked in nonprofit. You worked at Family Research Council before this, right? You worked at very similar organization to to CCV, but now you guys are talking about this. We're talking about this a lot with with the Christian Business Partnership. Help draw the line for folks that might not be really interested in you know all things uh, the SEC and and fiduciary responsibility and shareholders, stakeholders, all this kind of stuff. But are really concerned about family issues, really concerned about the life issue, really concerned about religious freedom. Can can you bridge that gap for us a little bit here, Paul? Oh, exactly, Aaron. Yeah, I I did twenty years at Family Research Council, so I'm, I'm familiar with the that issue set, <laughs> and obviously committed. And uh, what we see, let's go back to the ESG criteria: environmental, social, and governance. So, why does it matter to the to your listeners? Um, well, on the let's just look at the E right now. Why are our gas prices so high? Why is food so expensive? It's because we've got activists are putting pressure on corporations to get out of oil, gas, and coal, right? Oil, natural gas, and coal. Um, and th they're choking off the capital markets. They're putting pressure on companies to, to reduce, in essence, to get to net zero, carbon neutral by 2050. Um, and and it, they're penalizing companies for doing that. And so that's the environmental movement. And what do you what do you call it? Climate change, that whole agenda affects every kitchen table issue and, and you know how families are paying the putting food on the table. 
our economy, our jobs, um, massive issue. And obviously it has national security implications as well. Uh, just ask the folks in, in Europe right now. And and you so now because of that, we have more expensive and less reliable energy. And obviously they're working in cahoots with friends in Congress who are subsidizing, quote, renewables, really are unreliable. So that's my opinion here. Um, <laughs> we all want to be good stewards of the environment, but it doesn't make sense to shut down domestic production and and rely on wind and solar, which is really moving our jobs and our economic power to China. And by the way, solar doesn't happen without slave labor in China, but that's a whole other issue. So let's move to the S. Uh, S is maybe a little more the, the focus on the social issues. So why, why are corporations pushing the LGBTQ agenda or a race agenda or the abortion agenda? Again, the SG, it's the S. They're gonna, they don't want to get a bad rating. It actually can drive up the costs for companies to do business because the ratings agencies, the financial ratings agencies will say, oh, you've got a lower rating on ESG. So your borrowing costs are going to be higher. That hurts the employees, it hurts the shareholders, it hurts customers, it hurts everybody. Um, and But think of the, the power of corporations that employ tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands. They, they can affect the lives of their employees. Obviously, they're affecting their customers, but they're using their brands. I mean, we all know what Disney's been doing, but lots of other companies have been pushing agendas. Um, the, all the agendas we've talked about, they they have a reach and they touch more folks than than you and I ever will. Uh, obviously, we know big tech. That's all part of it. How they have silenced religious viewpoints and traditional viewpoints on human sexuality, of course, um, so that. That's why your listeners should care about it, that these are companies that are using their dollars to actually undermine their values. They're undermining the economy of Ohio. Uh, obviously, the folks in the what, southeast part of the state with uh, with coal and gas, um, there's massive pressure being put on them to get out of that business. They're driving up the cost. So it hurts, hurts every family and these issues that you care about, um, the greatest threat. I believe, to our religious freedom and our speech is from corporations right now that are working hand in glove, big business with big government to deny speech. And so this is, this is the, these are the issues of the day. And so not that everybody has to become an expert on these, uh, but that what they do need to do is care and, and engage when they can speak out and use their voice. And when they engage as consumers and, and when they engage small businesses and nonprofits. And maybe we, we could talk a little bit about that later, how they could use our corporate bias ratings in a positive way. Yeah. Paul, as you're talking about the the way that this problem has developed, I, I get this image of this avalanche that we're just kind of watching come at us slowly. And before we know it, it hits us. And now we are um, we're in this space where you're getting involved with the 1792 exchange. What was it that finally motivated you to to speak up to produce these corporate bias rankings was there a specific watershed moment that really wanted that made you want to get into the game on this issue we saw instances of people being denied services and being canceled um and but really what i had seen we started seeing in the 90s corporations getting aggressive in their training of the employees i saw so i saw it at family research council i saw it when i was on capitol hill that corporations all of a sudden were lobbying on issues that had nothing to do with their business. It was purely political. The Equality Act was one. I had a, had a, the realtors come in and my boss was a former realtor. It was normally a love fest. 
all of a sudden the realtors come in. The first thing they mentioned here is the Equality Act. We said, whoa, wait a minute. Um, uh, so I saw that. But what we all saw in 2020, uh, it wasn't just COVID. It was corporations were just unleashed. They were canceling and denying service and shutting down voices if you were on the wrong side of COVID. If you were, you're on the wrong side of the Trump campaign. If you were on the wrong side of Black Lives Matter, that was really the the tipping point in many ways when corporations went wild. I mean, they they what they did having to do with pro life bills in Georgia and Texas, or what they did relating to voter integrity bills after that. Um, so that was really what got that explosion got families together, and frankly, moved me. When when the Lord uh, moved me out of Congress because my boss uh, lost a Senate race, this issue kept coming up and it wasn't one I was looking to talk about, but uh, it's been a real blessing to come in, into this movement. And it is a growing movement. There were very few people talking about it. A few I will say there were a few stalwarts working, you know, for five, 10 years on it, but very few, just a couple. And then uh, uh, maybe about a half dozen or a dozen or so started engaging a year and a half ago. Now we've got a lot more folks talking about it. And so we're really excited, but it's, that was probably the tipping point is 2020 to answer your question. Yeah. Before we talk about how, how people can use the rankings, can you just give us an overview of, of what the rankings show us? How bad is this problem in terms of how many of these companies are actually high risk of viewpoint discrimination? Yeah, I, I think the number, it's always changing every day as we add. I think it's about it's about 16% high risk, about 30% low, low, excuse me, medium risk, and fi roughly 50 or so, 53, 54, um, at lower risk. Uh, just again, we we a couple of clarifications. We're not validating if they have good prices. We're not validating if the good products or services. We're not a tool to make investment decisions. Um, we're looking at their behavior publicly verifiable behavior. Uh, so if I heard someone at the gas pump says their cousin's sister's, sister's brother got canceled by a company or denied service, um, we're not going to put that on there. We're looking at their websites. So we're looking at their policies. We're looking at what they're saying in social media. We're looking at what what is being reported on. And so it's it's basic behavior. Have they canceled their denied service? Are they... Um, how do they handle their charitable giving? Are they uh, weaponizing their brand? Are they weaponizing their dollars? And then in their in their political giving, obviously they can give and they can be engaged. But if all of a sudden they're making decisions for political giving for ideological reasons, not things that are tied to their business, that doesn't make sense. So we each of those six criteria, we, we give it a, a score and then roll up a score. This is not... Um, mathematically scientific we're not, we're not launching the space shuttle here so it's this is directional this is this is not um as someone likes to say we're not polishing to the last molecule um aaron knows who says that uh, <laughs> mutual friend and um from ohio and uh but what we are saying is that we can directionally give folks an indication and remember i'm going to step back we've got two audiences the consumer which is really a small business, a nonprofit, or or a family. The other side is the business. We want them to hear and see about this. But I'll pause there. Yeah, you know, I think one of the things that that jumped out because I was looking at, uh, you know, some of the coverage from Fox uh, that you guys have gotten, 
Paul. And, you know, it, it's some might think, oh, only 16% got got bad ratings. But then you look at it and you realize how big these companies are that yeah. got the the worst ratings, right? Uh, I'm, I'm pulling it up right now. So you got uh, companies like Bank of America, Etsy, Salesforce, JP Chase, uh, Morgan Chase, YouTube, Amazon. Um, you know, these are, are some of the you know, the, the largest uh, institutions you think about Amazon right now. Uh, and I think this is one of the things that for me, that, that a lot of folks underestimate with Amazon, which is how many websites are just built on Amazon web services. Yep, that's a great point. Um, and, and how many folks are, are using YouTube for, for, for hosting very important content for them. Why does this, what's the worst case scenario in these situations and maybe even stories you've seen, Paul, uh, of companies, why why should why are these things that people need to make sure they're being aware of, and and maybe not necessarily saying, hey, I'm not going to use these services at all. There there are certain things like like YouTube, for example, like there's so much content on there that inevitably you're going to end up on YouTube if 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 you're you're looking for something. Heck, I was trying to fix my mm-hmm. dryer yesterday over the weekend, and I had to end up on YouTube for that, right? Um, but there are that. right exactly. There there's things <laughs> like this of you know, being aware of, Hey, you're building your entire organization or your entire business off of this platform. Here's things you should be aware. Can you talk about why this matters so much? Well, it's really the vulnerability. And if, if you're what we call your financial and operational supply chain, you've got the IT, your digital stack. Generally, if you're running a business, a nonprofit could be your church. If one piece is pulled out, like what's that game, the Jenga, you know, you pull one out, the whole thing collapses. Um, Lots of organizations take the free stuff from Amazon web services and, and they, from other vendors too, and then they're locked in. So that's just on the tech side. You obviously have on the financial side, those are really two big pillars, the tech and the finance, Um, whether it comes to your banking, your payment processing, you know, your, how you're handling your accounts payable. Um, you're making don't you're receiving excuse me donations as a nonprofit or a church. What what folks need to do is evaluate their suppliers to understand and 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 it goes it's beyond the 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 scope of what we can talk about here. But but we recommend that they not rely on that free plug and play stuff from folks like Amazon Web Services because they are so vulnerable if they do that. That there, there's nothing wrong with posting your content on YouTube. That's really smart. Like you said, people, that's where people are, but you probably don't want to build your whole financial model on YouTube or another vendor, like a PayPal that could shut you down. Uh, you, you, we believe in redundancy. Have a, you know, frankly, if you're doing controversial quote, controversial work, like CCV have two banks work with two banks, just in case one decides to shut you down. I mean, not, you know, not many families are going to do that, but depending on the size of your nonprofit or your business, you, you may want to do that. There, there's no easy answer. What, what we recommend folks do is go on and start with your your biggest, most important vendors or suppliers that are that are kind of in essence essential. That if they went away, you're out of business, or you're you know, I don't mean permanently out of business, but you're temporarily you're you're dead in the water. Um, yeah. Go and look those up. And, and then start working through. But it's really, a, um, it takes time. And that's frankly why we developed the corporate bias ratings and put on the website. Because you don't have time. Your, your team doesn't have time to do all the research. We have done it. I will say, 
how one of the things to use it is we, we don't want you to make major decisions on red, yellow, green. We want you to look at the details. Why are they yellow? The reason that they're yellow for me may not be the same high ri same risk level for you. Um, so you really do need to look at the details, look at the footnotes. So, Paul, as, as, as we kind of wrap up here, I, I want to one say thanks for for all the work you guys and your team has done on this. Um, I'll say, too, you know, we have been uh, the Christian business partnership has been uh, that we launched here at CCB has been partnering, partnering with 1792 on this in the sense of for our uh, executive level members. So we have advocate level members and then executive level members uh, will actually use this database for you and do an analysis of your services uh, and, and give you that red, yellow, green breakdown of the different providers you use your bank your your email platform those types of things so uh, again grateful for for all of the work that the 1792 team has done to to put this database together um and and to to allow the the christian business partnership to go through and be able to create this resource for for our members um the other thing that we want to say for for a lot of folks you know this is a sensitive topic this is something that people are are, are concerned about um, and it, it's a vulnerable topic at that. So we're actually going to be doing a live stream with with Paul for uh, those of you that would have questions that want to ask Paul about about this database, about how it's being used, uh, about how they can they can leverage the most out of it uh, on uh, February 23rd at 1:30. So those of you who have come have, have signed into CCB live streams before. It'll be Mike and I uh, with Paul uh, taking your questions, talking more about this, and talking about the Christian Business Partnership. Uh, as well. So uh, you'll see more information on that uh, in the email um, and in the uh, and just on, on CCB's website uh, for folks to, to log in. Paul, last question uh, on our end here is, you know, you, you guys have over a thousand businesses covered, uh, but there's a lot more than a thousand businesses out there. What, what should people do if uh, they have a vendor or a service that that isn't in the database right now? Well, they can certainly submit the names. Uh, Frank, we, we just, you know, launched this publicly without a password over the about two, last two weeks. We've already received a, another thousand companies that uh, we need that folks want us to review. So we're actually trying to prioritize that right now. Our team is working on that. We're expanding our team to be able to do that research. So so your listeners can submit names. It, it's just going to take us a little bit of time to get through it. Uh, they could look at the database and look at our criteria. If they have some time or if they have a, a, a staffer, uh, someone on their team, family member who could do some research, they could look, do some Googling and, and just kind of basically do that. But it, it is it's time consuming. One, one final piece, please, I encourage your listeners, print off the report, go into your local branch or office. If it's a high risk company, ask them why they're doing that. Politely go in there, calmly ask why they're doing that. Ask them, is there a chance they might be canceled? And if they're a small business or a nonprofit, ask to have the terms of their contract amended. If it's a if it's a green or lower risk company, go in, thank the manager, and tell your friends to shop there. That's really the power. If we change our behavior, we'll, corporations will change their behavior, and, because ultimately they want to make make money, and that's what we want to see. Great American businesses make a lot of money and provide good services. So I'll end on that note. Thanks for having me. Before we wrap this up today, I want to remind you one more time about how you can get in touch with us. Voicemail or text message to 614-769-7077 or email us at thenarrative at ccv.org. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of The Narrative, presented by CCV and produced by Wessler Media. If you found today's episode insightful, leave us a review or rating and subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts. 
We're your hosts, Mike Andrews, Aaron Baer, and David Mahan, and we'll see you next time on The Narrative.